0: Hey, welcome everyone to the Game's Drunk Style Podcast, 103.7 Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing, so be it through 1037 gamecom the free 1037 game mobile app, and also all your favorite podcast gimmicks. Right now, it's been a great last couple days in the sport of professional wrestling, so let's waste absolutely zero time and get down to brass tacks with the three-count, we start things off with potential clock ticking on Antonio Cesaro's contract. Yes, you are right. The former Claudio Castagnoli, friend of the program. He is, apparently, his contract is likely running out per Wrestling Inc. According to the sources, they'll be running out likely after WrestleMania. The exact date is unknown, but it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Cesaro's 40 right here, right now. If he goes to AEW, I can see them strapping the rocket ship to him and have him be kind of that that wily veteran That gets things done. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with the indie scene and all else. It all depends on how things are post-COVID and if things are a little bit better. Because I'd be all for a Kings of Wrestling reunion. I'm surprised you know, Chris Hero hasn't gotten the call from AEW. Obviously, he'd be a great get, but he's more of an indie niche type of cat. So I'm sure he's just more than willing to go do whatever he wants. But give me at least one run with Kings of Wrestling back in Ring of Honor. That would be badass. Another big headline over the last few days is Kurt Angle entering the podcasting ring with the Kurt Angle Show, part of Conrad's ever-expanding network of podcasts. Seriously, I think every day he has a new podcast that's coming out, be it through ad-free shows, or in this case, out there, thanks to Westwood One, which also covers the Super Bowl, which is this Sunday. And you can hear that right here on 103.7 The Game, a Sports Station. And Kurt Angle said in an interview with Sports Illustrated's Justin Barrasso, quote, we're going to have a lot of fun with this podcast and get into some great wrestling stories, says Engel. And he also went on to say that they'll talk about WWE, TNA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and goes on to say, quote, it's true that I have a lot of stories to tell, and I won't be holding back. And I mentioned ad-free shows. Well, it's on ad-free shows right now, the first episode breaking down WrestleMania 19, his infamous match against Brock Lesnar. Everything was going on with his neck injury and everything in between. So, yeah, this is going to be out on Sunday, February 7th, and every subsequent Sunday after that. But you can get the first episode right now if you're a part of ad free shows. This is an endorsement for ad free shows, but just saying, make sure you're, if you love a lot of stuff that, you know, Conrad Thompson, friend of the program, has, you know, that's something to go check out. And one last bit of news for the three count involves the land of the rising sun. John Moxley is back in New Japan. If you saw what happened on New Japan Strong last Friday, it was amazing with him coming out and beating up on Kenta. And now we're going to see Kenta taking on John Moxley for the United States Championship or the IWGP US title on February 26th in the main event of the last show of the New Beginning USA Tour. They got several events on tap for that, including some really cool multi-man main events over the next few weeks. Over in the New Japan USA Dojo, New Beginning. There's several shows on tap for the not too distant future, so make sure you check out newjapan1972.com. And speaking of Road to the New Beginning, the big news happened on last night's show with Jay White returning. Yes, that's right, the Switchblade who said he was quitting the company after losing at Wrestle Kingdom 15. He is officially back, and was part of the show at the Road to the New Beginning show in Karuken Hall and attack Tomohiro Ishii, and looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with him. There's a lot of speculation. He could have appeared in the Rumble yesterday, but a little bold he still was in the land of the rising sun that is Japan. So looking forward to seeing what everything else is going to be going down with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Two really great things, and you see this whole, it feels like they've breathed new life into New Japan just on this angle alone. All right, let's get into Royal Rumble 2021 mode. And this was a overall really good show. The, the only thing I have to complain about, and this was on the kickoff show, I think that's the only thing that I can complain about. I usually have a lot to complain about certain shows. Like, you know, I've mentioned before, there's a lot of stuff that sucked. But the last few months, WWE has put together probably the most consistent run of pay-per-views in a long time. There's been a consistent build towards having longer matches, less on the card, and it's worked out. I mean, look at what they've done since the pandemic started. They've been on a tear as of late. But just just for continuity's sake, let's look at tables, ladders, and chairs, the card they had a month ago. You had six matches on the main card, six total matches on the main card, you had one in the kickoff. I don't necessarily count it. That. This one, of course, is the Royal Rumble. You have two matches to go an hour. But you had five total in that one. You're right. Five. Then you go back to, obviously, not counting NXT TakeOver. Those are typically five or six matches. You had everything going on with Survivor Series. That was a six-match card. Having six, five or six matches on the main card? Has been a godsend because it feels like everything means so much more, and this is a strong reason why I would love to see them do more stuff like this going forward. But we started things off with the women's tag team title match of the kickoff main event: Charlotte and Oscar defending the titles against Nia, Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and it was a solid match. It really got going. I had to kind of rewatch this because I missed part of the beginning of it, but I caught the end. And it was marred a lot by the overbooking because Flair was about to go for the finish, and then Rick comes out, and then Fla- Charlotte gets distracted again, and then Shayna goes for a roll-up, and then Lacey Evans shows up and ultimately costs Flair the match with a loaded punch, maybe brass knocks, maybe, maybe some different gimmick. But that's a thing that happened, and I just did not like the fact that's how the match ended, and Nia and Shayna retain, regained their titles, I should say. Why do we have all this happen? Couldn't they have just had Lacey Evans run interference if that's the angle that you want to wind up running? Because in all honesty, Flair is not, repeat, is not needed in the spot that she's in. Like You don't need to have Charlotte Flair and Lacey Evans. You don't need Ric Flair to be involved in this angle. If you want to just run the angle, run the damn angle. It's weird and kind of unnecessary. Speaking of things that are unnecessary, a Goldberg title match opened up the main card with Goldberg taking on the young gun in Drew McIntyre, the Scottish psychopath. And this was exactly what you'd expect. It was smack down, shut your mouth, just bring it. You know, here comes the pain type stuff. Where it was, everybody has five finishers max. That's where we were at. And every move hit was a finisher. Spears, claymores, jackhammers. I mean, you know, Goldberg got a jackhammer up. And it looked really good. Considering the fact that the last time I saw him do one, he almost killed The Undertaker in one fell swoop. But Goldberg hit the jackhammer for a two-count after, you know, the match didn't even start. And they already destroyed the barricade within about, like, two, three minutes. And that was crazy. Then match officially starts. McIntyre hits Claymore for two. Drew goes it again, but Goldberg kind of dodges, hits two spears, only gets a two-count, then hits the jackhammer, two-count only. Goldberg goes for the spear but missed. And then Drew hits the Claymore for the win. And I don't know everybody hates the Goldberg thing. Honestly, this was the best way to do it. Having Drew McIntyre go over in a few minutes, just a quick in-and-out match. That's all Goldberg can do. But to have him lose in an impactful way against Drew McIntyre, that puts him head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to the state of professional wrestling in 2020. In 2021, I should say. And it makes Drew McIntyre look almost unbeatable because who else is there left for Drew McIntyre to face off against and maybe, just maybe, they conquer him and win the WWE title at WrestleMania or further down the road because it feels like they have booked him so strong, he has really established himself as a top guy. And outside of Randy Orton, it feels like it's impossible to really predict who takes that championship away from him. Then we get to the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Carmella squaring off against Sasha Banks. Banks' retainer title back at TLC. And this was a really good match. Starts off, Sasha immediately goes for the Banks' statement, but Carmella gets out of it, walks out the ring, does some stalling tactics. Great stuff there. A little bit later on, Carmella took control after Banks tried to walk the ropes. Reginald jumped on the apron for a distraction, and Banks jumped off the rope, got onto the... On ringside, dropped Reginald face first on the apron. But Carmella started to take control, and it was definitely more on her side. Sasha took back momentum with the Meteora. but it like she hurt her knee on the landing. Mind you, this is kind of what I was writing the notes live as it happened. And it didn't really matter as much relative to what we've seen in other matches, in other contests. Then Mella, when high risk, and ate it a little bit later on. It was just a really well done match. They had a really cool spot where at one point Carmella hooked Sasha's hair on the rope. That was really smooth, and I wish they had used that more of an angle. Like you could have probably wound up doing something like that. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to get a submission, but you could have caused a lot of pain, and that could have helped out. Sasha went for the frog splash, got midway through the contest, but Carmella gets the knees up and locked in Dakota silence for a quick second. And the way they segued into that was really, really good, by the way. Then you had two super kicks, only get a two count. And Sasha locks in the bank statement for the win and retains the title. I like their first matchup better, but this was still a really fun one. Reginald played his role really well. I don't understand the ejection, to be honest with you. But it is what it is. Really solid match. Now you get to see Sasha Banks start to move forward over to the match of the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble, which we'll get to in a second. And we get a backstage segment with Xavier Woods and Big E talking about how they have a chance to change their careers. And then Sami Zayn walks in with his documentary crew, and he's running down the two superstars, and it says he's got eyes in the back of his head. Then Kofi proves that wrong by popping up and scaring the crap out of him, which honestly was hilarious. And they start talking about the match, and it's over about their fly gear, which the entire New Day had a Brody Lee tribute on it. Absolutely amazing, and it it was like chills. The second I saw it, I was like, wait, what? Absolutely amazing stuff right there from the New Day. Paying tribute to Mr. Brody, a.k.a. John Huber. Then we get to the Women's Royal Rumble match, and this was a surprise for me. Bailey drawing number one, Naomi number two. And Bailey talks trash about beating her, and then Naomi shines her head scissors, and then she ducked a clothesline with her, like, slide like she does in an entrance. But seeing Naomi was a big surprise. She hit the rear view and then immediately went for an elimination, but then Bianca Belair comes out, puts the boots to Bailey early. Not much is really happening at this point, but we start to see the ring get filled up. Billy Kay comes out at number four, and she's tentative to enter the ring and then joins commentary. Instead, Belair gets nearly eliminated. And then Shanti Black Carr comes out with the tank. Billy Kay's like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and try and team up with her. Nope, Billy Kay gets shot at and I popped for it. It was really good. Then Shayna Baszler comes out at number six, beats up Kay, throws her into the barricade, so she's down. The entrants keep rolling in. Tony Storm at seven, and the first elimination with Shayna Baszler throwing out Blackheart. And then Jillian Hall, big surprise here. She comes out at number eight. We get Billy and Jilly. And then we, again, the, this thing gets filled up really quick. With Ruby Riott coming out. And then genuinely surprised here, we got to see Victoria making her, making her return for the first time in, I'd probably say, a rough estimate, 11 years. That's insane. 11 freaking years. Probably 12 years or so. Like, it's been a while. I think 2009 was the last time she was in WWE. It could be a little bit off there. Either 2008 or 2009. Either way, it's been a long time she's came out. To her music, which, by the way, if you didn't know this, Nicki Minaj is actually part of the theme song for Victoria's music. The i ain't the lady to mess with. I know she had Tattoo back in the gap, which, honestly, that was a banger of a theme song, and we need that stuff back on the network. We don't need this crappy network dove, Give me the real deal that is Tattoo, all the things she said. Really great song. We get an iconic reunion. Then Peyton gets hit with a widow's peak like a minute later. Santana Garrett out at number 12, the former NWA Women's Champion. Looked good in this one. Liv Morgan enters at unlucky number 13, looking like Christina Aguilera circa 2003 with the dirty gimmick. Absolutely house of fire there. Billy Kay eliminates Jillian Hall, then gets tossed out by the real Riot Squad and Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. Then Rhea Ripley's out at number 14, and I think I've mentioned this before. She needs the pyro when she does that stomp. You have the pyro in place. Use it because it would absolutely enhance this entrance about to 10 times more. But Rhea raises hell, throws out Tony Storm right away. Then Shayna throws out Victoria. Ripley tosses Santana Garrett. She had a really cool split to, as she was about to get eliminated, cool split to basically avoid a clothesline to get tossed out, but she gets thrown run it anyways. Then we get Shana Flair gets Introduced at number 15. And this felt like, At this point, this is going to be hit the bricks time. Time for her to just throw everybody out. Bailey slides under the ropes and eliminates Ruby with a powerbomb. That looked sick as hell. The fact that they were able, were able to pull that off so well was cool. Peyton Royce saves Bailey with a kick to Liv Morgan. Tori Wilson out at number 17. Ric Flair comes out to introduce Lacey Evans at number 18 while Charlotte's robe, wearing Charlotte's robe, and the fight spills out onto the floor. Neither are eliminated. Charlotte eliminates Peyton Royce. Shayna tosses out Tori Wilson. Mickey James comes out at number nineteen. Then they screw up a spot where Bailey is getting eliminated by Bianca Belair. That was the spot of the night, and Kevin Dunn botched up that to go to a replay after after Mickey James made her entrance, which was again really cool that Mickey was back in there. Nikki Cross enters at number twenty. Is a house of fire here. She just absolutely started just attacking damn near every person in that ring. And it was so cool to see because Nikki, Nikki Cross doesn't get nearly as much love as she should. Then we get to Alicia Fox making her return at number 21. But then R Truth comes out and then Fox winds up winning the 24 7 title. And I question a lot of things like why, like, why it happened at number two? Does the person who eliminates her get the title? Well, we learn no. So Mandy Rose comes out of 22, eliminates Alicia straight away. R-Truth wins the 24-7 title back as the job squad chases him off. He later in the night loses it to Peter Rosenberg. And just before I started taping, Peter Rosenberg lost the title to R-Truth again, so he gets his baby back. So, yeah, I think R-Truth is in his, like, 5,000th reign. So that's the thing. Then we get Dakota Kai at number 23. Mickey James was eliminated with the women's right by Lacey Evans. Don't know if she had the gimmick or not. But absolutely brutal from her. Then Carmella comes out, at number twenty-four. Ripley just yeets Kai out of the match. Then Mandy is out giving Rosa is out giving Rhea five eliminations so far tonight. She actually was tied for the lead. I think it was seven total eliminations. Cross gets booted out by Carmella. Tamina comes out at number twenty-five. She just destroys Reginald. Mella is out of here. Then Naomi gets her Kofi spot. She gets thrown out, but she just lands on her back. She almost takes like a flat-back bump and is like a turtle. Her feet never touch the floor. And then Bianca's on the ground. or Yeah, on the ground, on the floor of the ring, actually. And basically, Naomi grabs her hair and is able to pull herself up and hook herself to the bottom rope. And then her and Bianca... Basically, they're starting to beat each other up, and then they're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and truce. Both of us go up, and we both avoid getting eliminated. Absolutely really awesome spot. It was really creative to see a new Kofi spot. Lana makes her return at number 26. Immediately goes after Shayna. Then Alexa Bliss is out at 27, and it's you know the Firefly Funhouse, Alexa Bliss. She winds up trying to undergo a transformation, but... Ripley eliminates her before she reaches her final form as a DBZ fan that she is and I am no surprise there Amber Moon comes out at 28 Nia Jax enters at 29 then Baszler and Jax clean house Jax winds up tossing Baszler out and then Lana jumps on her Lana smart girl lower the ropes and eliminated Nia pop for that because again it's the bully getting her comeuppance in that situation give me more of that please WWE that was a smart thing to go about it. Well done. Then we get Natalya coming out at number 30, gets the tar beat out of her by women's tag chance, who then enter, re-enter the ring and demolish everyone. And then they throw Natalya in the ring. So the final four is Natty, Bianca, Charlotte, and Rhea Ripley after Natalya eliminates Lana. Then Natty gets thrown over the top by Bianca in quick fashion after she thinks she has thrown out Rhea Ripley. Flair gets eliminated, absolutely blown away and gutted, because I had Charlotte Flair as my pick to win the Royal Rumble and go back to back, because the way they were hyping it up in the buy the numbers package really made me think that was going to be the thing. And then we get Ripley and Bel Air trying to throw each other out. At first, They're see both on the apron, but they say, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do this thing the right way, and get back in the ring. Truce till we get in the ring, and they put together a hell of a sequence. Bel Air wins the rumble. I'd say this was the best women's Royal Rumble match they had. they've had. they had because they didn't rely as much on the part-timers or the old-school old guys or gals, I should say, and they did not, like, outshine anybody. They got their ish in and looked good. And a star was born in this match, and a solid post-match promo solidified Bianca Belair as the next big thing in the WWE women's division. Felt like a real moment. And we all just sat there and saw Bianca Belair get her one shining moment there. Now it's all about where is she going to go. I think she has to face Sasha Banks. Give me that match at Mania. I guarantee you I'd probably say right here, right now, that's a a four-and-a-half-star match, especially given time. If that's on night one of WrestleMania, it could very well be the match of that night. You're right. Match of the night on night one of WrestleMania. I don't think it's night two. I think night two would be reserved for probably Oscar versus Charlotte or whatever the hell they're going to do. If we get Charlotte versus Lacey for the Royal Women's side I'm going to puke. That's all I'm going to say on that. But really, really good Royal Rumble match from the women. Absolutely exceeding expectations. But then we get to the penultimate match of the night. Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this match. Justifiably so. When you just think about the fact that people outright hated the way this finish was, honestly, did not care. Did not care a single bit about the, oh, hey, well, they didn't do this. They did this. I'm like Why didn't the why the ref stop the count? You know, honestly, I was wondering the same thing. But at the end of the day, I kind of just sat there and like, do I really give a crap about whether or not they stopped the count? Because I was sports entertained for about two hours, I wanted to see. I, I just got finished watching a damn near hour long women's Royal Rumble match that had a great payoff, a really good first two matches on the card. So at this point, this was this was almost lanyap at this point in time. But we get a last man standing match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, and it was literally. I mentioned here comes the pain. This was literally something that I would have probably done growing up when I was playing, you know, Day of Reckoning or Smackdown, Here Comes the Pain, something like that. And just have, like, a hardcore match and just beat the tar out of somebody and not stop. like, And just have fun and come up with all these crazy spots. That's what this was. This was literally, like, teenage me playing, like, a WWE video game and just straight up saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and throw this guy through all these tables and throw him through this chair and, like, I'm going to go ahead and, and use this as a, as a high spot. That's what this was, and honestly, I loved it. It was so damn cool. The amount of spots they put together, the the forklift, the way they had the everything. It was so damn good. Now, yes, I can complain all day about the damn finish of the match, but I'm not going to. I cannot, in all good consciousness, hate on that main event. That that match that was the semi main event I should say, this was a probably one of the best last man standing matches I've seen the WWE put together. Now, yes, if I'm going to go ahead and give it my Dave Meltzer esque rating, it's a four star match, and a star gets knocked off because of the fit, because of the finish. But in the end the day, in terms of entertainment value, I could give two you know what's less about what happened with the handcuffs. Maybe you could have tried to figure out another way. Like Honestly, if they were delaying it that long, I would have loved for, you know, again, I don't know what was going on with Jay Uso, if, why he wasn't there. I would have loved if, you know, they were having issues with it. And you could tell you could have had him stop the count briefly and see what's going on with Roman and then continue the count. Six, seven, have Jay come out of backstage and hit the ref with a, with a chair or something. Just to make sure you can keep Roman out there. And more importantly, give Heyman enough time to get the damn thing off of him. Again, I liked everything about this show. But that's the one moment everybody has like their device's opinion on. Honestly, didn't hate it. Really well done from Roman yeeting KO off the Thunderdome setup to the golf cart bump, which was way better than anything AEW did. The fact that when Kevin Owens, he, he did it perfect, by the way, at least from my POV, he jumped at the right time, went through the glass, through that, not it wasn't glass, it, was, it wasn't literally glass, but it was the front of that golf cart. The way that bump looked was really cool. But I was sports entertained. So, miss me with all the BS about the handcuffs. I'm not here for it. Then we get to the main event of the night. The men's Royal Rumble. Edge comes out first, and then Orton's out at number two. They start brawling before they even enter the ring. I'm really disappointed there was no Orton mask here. And then they're brawling all over the place. Sami Zayn enters at number three, takes down Edge straight away. They start fighting. Number four is Mustafa Ali, and he immediately eyes Orton, but then starts attacking Edge, obviously Orton. The backstory with Orton basically taking him out of the Elimination Chamber and his opportunity to have a main event match at WrestleMania, which was never going to get, to be honest with you. It's just the Kofi Kingston stuff absolutely snowballed, and WWE kind of was like, you know what? We'll do that. KO? You mean push down the road. Just kind of deal with us, because I think we're on to something here. Number five is Jeff Hardy, and immediately goes after Orton. Hardy goes for a twist of fate on Zayn, but is countered with an RKO. And then Orton starts hitting RKO's on everybody before being speared by Edge and rolls under the ring selling the move. Then Edge puts Orton on the announce table, hits the edge onto the table. The table does not break. I still to this day do not know why they continue to do the gimmick where it doesn't break. Like, every time I see the table get hit on, it never breaks. It's head-scratching to me. But then Dolph Zicker comes out at number six. Edge is still outside of the ring. He hits Orton with the chair in the leg. And he's kind of taken out of the match at this point. Hardy's thrown out by Dolph. Shinsuke Nakamura comes out at number seven. Orton's limping as he tries to go to the back. Then the biggest pop of the night for me, Carlito. A spin to face of people who don't want to be cool. Made his return to WWE for the first time in years. At least over... 15 years at this point, he hasn't been in the WWE, and he looked absolutely jacked. And then Shinsuke Nakamura, he interacts with them, he almost chews on the apples, and it almost does a spit gimmick, but then, you know, again, shout-out to New Legacy Inc. for calling all this. If you wind up seeing their stream on Twitch, which, by the way, twitch.tv slash New Legacy Inc. is where it's at. It's always a highlight to watch them play old wrestling games, and this was another highlight, they playing 2K20 with the crappy glitches they had, they actually were able to pull off two Royal Rumble matches almost seamlessly. I was blown away. It wound up working the second time, but you know what? Twenty twenty one, maybe things are getting better. But we get a really cool double team spot after not long after this because Xavier Woods comes out at number nine, goes straight to Ali. Then a really cool double team spot because Big E's out of number ten. He wants a the double team spot is electric chair drop, and then you know Woods drops him. And he just absolutely splashes on Ali, and it was oh, and it was it was Zayn. Then they throw him out. Then Morrison's out at number eleven, and then Ali eliminates Woods and is laughing at him. And then Big E is just absolutely furious. He throws out Mustafa Ricochet into number twelve, and he laughs at Ali being eliminated. Love the fact they brought back this story with Ricochet and Retribution. Elias with the new music. Out at number thirteen, eliminates Carlito in quick order. Damian Priest enters at fourteen then immediately hits Elias with the cross—I <clears throat> mean the reckoning—and Elias gets eliminated just seconds later. Miz is out at number fifteen and he destroys Bad Bunny's DJ set. Then he comes out and distracts Miz and Morrison, and I mean, he meaning Bad Bunny, and that gives Priest a chance to eliminate both of them. And the bunny hop jumps off the top rope. To land on both Miz and Morrison. Riddle comes out at number 16. Daniel Bryan is number 17. And then the Mayor of Knox County Kane. Comes out at number 18. Throws out Dolph Ziggler. And then we get a team held no reunion for a moment. And then Kane gets tossed by Priest. That's it. That's all. King Corbin comes out at number 19. And eliminates Shinsuke Nakamura. Otis comes out at number 20. Gets eliminated because he's a geek. And got on the second rope trying to do a splash. Baron Corbin just shoves him off. Dominic Mysterio comes in at 21 and finally eliminates the incel known as Baron Corbin within seconds. Corbin got out really quickly. Bobby Lashley in at 22 and just yeets Dominic with ease and then clotheslines Priest out of the ring. The Hurricane comes out at number 23 and tries to double choke slam on Ian Lashley, which was a mistake. And why do we continue to get this spot? Never learn. They both throw him out. Christian comes out at twenty four. The other big pop of the night for me, no doubt. Christian coming out I was like holy hell. Lashley gets eliminated. Takes damn near everyone to throw him out. AJ Styles coming out comes out at number twenty five. Mysterio runs out at number twenty six. And he's brought to you by Victoria Beer. Almost eliminates Big E. Sheamus is at twenty seven. Hits the ten beats on Riddle and Edge. Almost winds up throwing out Ray Mysterio randomly. It was just so weird to see that happen. But, of course, AJ Styles' is heavy helped out a lot more a little bit later on. Cesaro enters at 28 with the swing on Sheamus. Seth Rollins makes his return at number 29 after the teasing of Becky Lynch. Nope, that was actually the gorilla position from Seth Rollins, POV. Then at number 30, the returning Braun Strowman, who returned at the SmackDown Go Home show, he came out and it was a house of fire. Nearly eliminates AJ, but almost saves. They didn't. He throws out Cesaro. Sheamus goes after Styles and eliminates him. So it's Strowman, Edge, Christian, Rollins, Orton's kind of sorta in the match, but you really don't know. And then there's Bryan. And again, they kept doing the, this is awesome chance and the the crowd chants that were canned. Like they did a holy s word moment. And I was like, did they really just do this in 2020? Okay. I am, it's weird. But okay. Rollins throws out Riddle with the stomp on the apron. Edge tosses out Strowman, thanks to Christian. And then Rollins tosses him out all in like, one motion, which was really cool. And the fact that this ended like, within like, because here's how the ending went about 40 seconds. Edge is on the rope and basically almost doing the name redacted spot with, from 2004 Royal Rumble does that to try and get Strowman over, but Strowman counters it. Then Christian helps out, throws him out. Rollins throws Christian out through the momentum, and then Edge throws out Rollins. Orton comes out, hits the RKO out of nowhere, tries to eliminate Edge, but Edge counters, throws out Orton to win the whole thing, joining Shawn Michaels as the only ones to win from the number one spot. Overall, this was a Phenomenal Royal Rumble, probably one of the better ones that I've seen in recent years. 2018 was probably one of my favorite in terms of the last like ten years. But compared to my all-time favorites, like 2004 with my you know name redacted, and you know you got let's see 2001, 2000s a really good really good Royal Rumble, 2002 with the story of Triple H, 92 obviously is always going to be tops. But I feel like 2020 because 2021, excuse me. Because of the story with Edge returning and going the distance from number one, even though he was originally number two, I don't know why that happened. But we got to see the main event level star win it. And while, yes, some people said it was predictable, I want to. I do this all the time when it comes to big events, is there's this thing on Bleach Report called Perfect Picks. And I decided to go ahead and do it for the Royal Rumble because why not? And I wound up going with Brian winning the whole thing. With Charlotte, Flair, and Brian. That was the only two things I missed on that. I could have wound up winning like a nice gift card. And I was just like, oh, man, now I don't get this. It was almost like how my weekend was in terms of just sports in general. I was eight out of nine right. And I could have won like 60 bucks. But you know what? I'm not going to complain about that. I'm just going to say that was a great Royal Rumble. Hopefully you enjoyed it too that's about all the time we have for the Cajun Strong Stomp Podcast. Man, what a great Royal Rumble it was. Hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And we're getting closer to WrestleMania season. And before I wrap up this officially, let me just say, we have some cool content coming your way for WrestleMania season. I'm introducing some new stuff into the mix. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean tier lists for best WrestleMania matches according to Superstar, Best WrestleManias, all that stuff. We're going to do that every week leading up to WrestleMania. And WrestleMania week is going to be a massive undertaking. So trust me when I say this. Do not miss a single episode of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast through whatever podcasting gimmick you have because we're on to the road to WrestleMania, baby. And let me tell you this, this train ain't stopping so until next time, take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Cages Strong stomp Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star review, a six-star review if you're in the Tokyo Dome or even MSG. Take it easy. We'll talk to you later.